All right. <laughs> I didn't know how long that was going to be. Sorry. Um, so uh, I don't know about you, but that song kind of makes me hungry, right? It's almost lunchtime. No, I missed the point, right? I missed the point. Yeah. So um, my name is Moises. Sorry. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Everybody relax. Uh, my name is Moises. I'm the associate pastor. And today you have the treat to having me speak to you today. And... <clears throat> Um, it's going to be an awesome time. They gave me time, and I'm ready to go here. Pastor Andrew, is, he's speaking at our Locust Campus, so they're having a treat over there as well. So uh, we're going to continue this uh, sermon series on the letters of love out of the first and second and third book of John. So who's ready? We're ready? You know I got energy, right? I always say that, but I bring it, right? I'm, I'm going to be energized. I'm going to laugh at my own jokes. You can either join with me or just sit there and look at me like I'm crazy. Uh, but thank you for being here today. All right. Um, I'm excited to be here with you. Um, one of the interesting things about the letters of love is that they're known as the letters of love. But when you read them, although you find love in them, right, they tend to be some sort of tough love, really. Right. So tonight, today I'm just going to come at you with some tough love. You ready? So I want you to hang on to your seat right there where you're at. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be intense. I'm going to come at you strong, but you know I'm a nice guy, right? So who's ready for some tough love this morning? We all need it. We all need it, right? So before we get started, we have to understand that when John wrote these epistles, he had two primary purposes in mind. Number one. He was challenging or trying to expose doctrinal or beliefs and ethical behaviors or errors that false teachers were bringing to the table. He was also challenging his spiritual children to pursue a life of purity and companionship with God that should be shown by their devotion on what is true and what is right. Say that with me, what is true and what is right. All right? Basically, he's addressing comfortable Christians. <laughs> which, which often means weak Christians, right? Referring to Christians who have basically grown comfortable and complacent in their faith. He also highlights that fellowship with God is, is the essence of our faith, painting a picture of love, but not only love, obedience, and truth. All right? These letters are, are, are letters of love, but not the type of love you and I are used to. Say it with me. I love you. All right. I feel if we say it long enough throughout this message, we'll, we'll feel better about it. <laughs> so all of this love that we find in these letters is extremely beneficial for our beliefs, it's tough to process. We're not used to it. But how fitting, right? Nowadays in a world that almost hates Jesus and his ways, for us to bring this, this picture of what we're being called to by God to love him and his people with this fierce love. The word love, really, it's kind of taken out of context a little bit nowadays. 
We have taken this four-letter word and made it into something that at times it's not even represented the right way at all. TV shows like The Bachelor. Not that I watch it, right? You know what I'm saying? I, it, I don't know what the show is like. I just heard that it, that's the way it goes. <laughs> they, they, they practically, in a lot of ways, format the entire timing of the show on when this word is used or not. A lot of times, is he going to say it? Is she ready to hear it? Right? When he says it, is it going to close the deal? Right? Right? The, the music drops. Right? And they're standing and they're sitting next to each other. And they're like, I've been feeling. And the music, like that piano music comes on the background. And you start to watch TV and you're feeling funny inside. You're like, oh, my gosh. And you hold your wife's hand. You're like, he's going to say it. This is going to be magical. Right? And then, and then he looks at her and he says, I love you. Right? And she looks at him and says, I care about you, too. <laughs> right? And you're like, no. No. It's over, right? It's over. So if he said it too early, he gets kicked off the show. If he said it too late, he misses his opportunity. If he says it at the right time, they live happily ever after. And the whole premises of this show Hey, listen, if you're a Bachelor fan, go for it, all right? I'm giving you a secret to the show here. Watch it. Next time you're watching it, you're like, he was right. There's the music dropping. Here it comes, right? He did get kicked off the show because he said it too early, right? You got poor people in there that they don't know how to seal the deal. These guys are like, maybe I should just say it early, right? Maybe that'll get me in. So you got these guys on like day number two, like, hey, I love you. The girls are like, whoa, right? So... What we have to understand is that the, 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 the word love, whether used for God or man, is an earnest and anxious desire. It's an active interest in the well-being of the one loved. It's not just this four-letter word that makes me feel happy inside, that's supposed to have this magical feeling. It's something that truly means what it is. It's an earnest and anxious desire an active interest for the well-being of the person loved. Love stands for far more than just a romantic attraction or strong feelings towards one another. You may be sitting here with your girlfriend or your boyfriend, and you're like, oh, don't say that, Pastor. I, I'm, I'm, I'm in love, right? It also stands for truth, respect, obedience. As Christians, the obedience that as Christians we hold for God. We have taken this watered-down perspective of the word love that this world has presented to us and applied it to our relationship with God. So when we refer and make statements about God's love towards us and our love towards God, it goes as deep as the love of that person in the bachelor towards the individual they're expressing it to. And we wonder why sometimes we walk around empty. But in order to stand and understand this type of tough love that we're going to be discussing today, that is characterized by what is true and what is right, we must understand what love isn't or doesn't. 
Now, you're going to see on your, lo- on your note sheets that it says love don't. All right? Pastor Andrew is preaching this love don't out there in Locust, and the people are eating it up. All right? I went with love doesn't. All right? So I, I, pra- I practiced... I practiced love don't in front of the mirror, and it just wasn't working out, all right? So I changed it up. (laughs) Come on. I love you. So we're not going to do love don't. We're going to do love doesn't here in Matthews, okay? I'm sure those folks out there in Logos are love don't this, don't that, and they're they're having a good time. So (laughs) Pastor Andrew told me to say this because we had this conversation. We had this conversation. He knows. All right. We're going to get into the word. 1 John 2, 15 to 29. And we're just going to keep talking. And I'm going to read these verses over and over. You're going to get tired of me reading them over and over. I'm going to read the whole thing now. And then we're going to dive into the points. So the Bible says, starting on verse 15, it says, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers. For when you love the world, you don't have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, a pride and pride in our achievements and possessions. They are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists have appeared. From from this we know that the last hour has come. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they did not belong with us. But you're not like that, for the Holy One has given you His Spirit, and all of you know the truth. So I'm writing to you not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. And who's a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either. But anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So you must remain faithful to what you have been thought from the beginning. If you do, if you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father, and His fellowship with, will enjoy the eternal life He promised us. And in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life He, he promised us. I'm writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. But you have received the Holy Spirit, and He lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true, for the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. And what He teaches is true. It's not a lie. So just as He has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. And now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ, so that when He returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from Him in shame. Since we know that Christ is righteous, we also know that all who do All who do what is right are God's children. That's that's, that's a lot of stuff in there, all right? There's a lot of stuff in there. But there are specific instructions that we find given in this text. 
John is not introducing something that is new to us as believers. He's, he's just reaffirming on something that already exists and a way of life that we're supposed to practice and we're being called to. And it starts with the, one of the most popular verses that we find in Scripture that you probably, if, you, if you've been a believer for, for many years in your life, you've heard this verse before, which kind of leads me into my first point, right, which is, number one, love doesn't fade or don't fade, however you want to say it. <clears throat> and, and, and we're going to kind of dive into verse 15 to 17, right, where it says, do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. You know, the, the, the term world used here throughout the, new, the, the, the scriptures and through the New Testament often refers to a vast world system. We like to look at this word world and, and compact it into a globe, into the physical earth itself. And, 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 and this vast world system is a system that exists independent from God and basically opposes God in everything it does. So when you're reading the word world, you're really reading a, a system or a way of life. You're not really thinking of the planet you live in. Satan often uses this word world in the idea of morality and his philosophies and his social customs to, to oppose God his people and his word and his standards and the things that he, he wants from us. You know, because when we really look at it, most of the issues that we look at are not bad within themselves. But yet Satan will work through any of all of them to promote his purpose and cause spiritual deception in our lives. And it creates a divide in our thought process, really, really hindering us. In one way or another, well, we don't even see it, but it ends up damaging our faith as we introduce these systems into our lives and allow them to be part of who we are as people. We, we must be aware that behind all human endeavors, apart from God, okay, there's a spirit of power moving against God and His Word, Right? It's not just that person standing there promoting this system that opposes God, right? Our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities. It's bigger. When you see a system that is moving towards or against God on something, there's usually a spirit of power behind it opposing God with the scheme, trying to oppose what we, what we have been taught as people that we must do for God. Because the world and the church are two separate things. They're two separate things. They're two separate groups of people. The world is under Satan's authority and control. These systems are under Satan's authority and control. The Bible says in John chapter 12, verse 31, the time for judging this world has come when Satan, who is who? The ruler of this world. But the church belongs exclusively to God. We find that in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23, right? It says Christ is the head of the church. We are the church. You know, for this reason as believers, we have to have a constant effort to separate ourselves from the systems that this world continues to offer us. You're like, man, because the, the reality is that we don't belong to this world. 
And God is soon going to call us out of this world. In John chapter 15, verse 19, it says, The world will love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. You're like, oh, world. Hate is a strong word. Right? But, but we could get it confused here. You know, we're being called as believers to run this race, to be an influence, to make an impact on a world that hates us, that's constantly building system against us, right? And sometimes we think, we looked at those systems and we looked at those ways of lives and said, well, it's not bad, right? It kind of works. And sometimes we wonder as people of God, we wonder why we can't click with the world. And with the systems, what makes me so different? And I would say that if you're not clicking 100% with the world, you're doing pretty good. I would worry if I'm clicking too much. Right? Because you're kind of complying with it. Because in reality, the love of the world and the love of the Father can't coexist. There's only room for one. Because loving the world is a form of spiritual adultery. And unfaithfulness that defiles our relationship with God and leads to spiritual destruction. When I'm talking about the world, uh, you know, the love to the world means to be closely related, associated with the beliefs, the behaviors. It means to accept the values that this world offers, the interests, the practices, the pleasures. How many would agree that our world has changed a lot? Right? Things that weren't accepted are accepted. Right? What you used to look at things that you would say, if my grandpa saw that, you flip over on his grave. No. <laughs> you know, basically taking pleasure in, in what is common in the world but offensive to God. And, and it kind of requires all of us to self examine ourselves. You know, like, like, like look at our lives and think to ourselves, what, what am I doing? Right? How am I complying with this world and those systems that are being thrown at me constantly? You know? Here's the problem also. Because we've taken the meaning of the world word and made it what it is, we, we as believers, we have taken the stance that in order for us not to be part of the world, isolation is what's required. And, and it's also been a great mistake because as Christians in the process, we have lost our relevancy and our influence in the same thing that we're called to, which is this world. You're like, how so? Well, by, by putting ourselves under rocks and putting our family under a rock for the sake of protection. We have gone too focused on protecting and not preparing. Right? The world, the, 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 the term world and, and earth are not synonyms. They're, they're not synonymous, okay? God does not forbid us from appreciating and admiring the earth, the earth he, re, he created. He actually calls us to it. You know, I, 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 I can't comprehend this idea of this, this, the influencers out there. I believe, and I've said this before, I believe we should be the influencers, we have the message of hope and healing, the message of truth. If you read the Bible, the Bible said that this world would fade away. 
right? What we have, we know lasts forever. That's what we should present. We should be the ones leading the charge, right? Well, we are to hate the corrupt ways of this world. We also demonstrate our compassion towards people. Caught up in this world systems that go far beyond what God wants from them, you know. As I said in, in verse 17, it says, and this world is fading away along with everything that people crave, it says. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Will live forever. Our love for God is displayed in our desire to please Him. Everything we do, we do it to please God. Everything. Everything. One of the things that has changed my life is the verse that talks about, do not worry about everything. Instead, pray for everything. Right? Everything. You're like, every single thing? Yes. Every single thing. We are called to live differently in everything that we do. When I, I, I wasn't always a full-time pastor. When I worked, I worked every day like I was going into work to work for Jesus. Yeah, while I was building spreadsheets. I carry this thing that if I was, if I, if I didn't honor God in everything that I was doing, then I'm not doing it the right way. You don't necessarily have to be within these walls to do everything for God. You don't have to necessarily be working 100% in ministry to display your faith before God. No, in everything we do. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. You and I are called to a different kind of lifestyle. We got to rise to the top. We're being called to rise to the top. As people. You know, I, I, I was hearing the worship and the fullness and, and, and fullness of the Spirit, the fullness of the Spirit, the fullness of the Spirit. You know why that's important? It's because we, we, we've grown too simple to our approach. We carry so much dirt inside of us, right? And we, we have this idea that the only way to empty a bucket that's dirty is by flipping it over and shaking it real hard. So we do the same thing with our lives. We carry this dirt, and we want to flip it, kick it, beat it up out of ourselves. But that fullness, though, what I learned in my life is more light helps. Right? What happens to a bucket that's full of dirty water when you put more stuff in it? Right? Right? The stuff automatically starts coming out. I didn't even flip it. I didn't even kick it. I didn't have to shake it. I just put a little bit more of that good stuff in it and the bad stuff just starts coming out and it just flows out and you put more in it and more good stuff and the bad stuff keeps coming out that's why that fullness is important we're so short-sighted when it comes to this i didn't have to, i gotta let me focus all right true love doesn't fade away but instead it grows it grows all right number two Love doesn't leave, or it don't leave. <laughs> Just giving you the locust experience. <laughs> He's going to get mad at me. I gave him such a hard time about this. <laughs> so it says, verse 18 to 23, it says, Dear children, last, the, the last hours here, we have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists have appeared. 
From this we know that the last hour has come. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they did not belong with us. But you are not like that. For the Holy Spirit or the Holy One has given you His Spirit, and all of you know the truth. So I'm writing to you not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. And who's a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ, anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist, anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either. But anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. You know, one of the most fascinating things that I see in life in this walk is that people who leave the church till this day have a reason why they did it. You meet someone who doesn't go to church anymore, and they usually have some heroic story why they did it. You usually involve someone else, another person, or an event that took place. You know, it's like something, they have something that was so devastating, it actually surpassed Jesus on the cross, the bloodshed, the life-changing, the clinging of the Holy Spirit that they received in their lives when they accepted Jesus, the transformation that their family went through, the event that took place. Brother Jimmy was so mean to them that the cross just got smaller and smaller and smaller. The event that took place was so overwhelming that Jesus was just not enough to overcome it. You know, you know what's crazier is to see active believers hearing the story like, you're right. I would have left too. And for the sake of love, sympathizing. Because you got to show love. Right? We got to love. Come on, man. She went through something rough. You got to understand. Right? What I know is that in John chapter 10, verse 28, it says, no one can snatch them from me. No one can snatch them from me. Speaking of believers who have faith, who know the truth, no one. Do you know if someone is able to manipulate your character by something they say to you, they're winning. You realize that, right? It just leads me to this question. Why, why does how you feel have anything to do with what, who you're serving? Right? I mean, why does how you feel have anything to do with who you're serving? The reality is that when these people leave the church, they didn't really have a saving relationship with Christ. Two things could have happened. They were never true followers of Christ to begin with. Or they were in a saving relationship with Christ, but later abandoned their faith in Him for one reason or another. Guys, people don't fall out of repentance from God. They don't fall out of love from God. They fall out of repentance. And rules without relationships will cause rebellion. That's a proven fact. If you don't believe me, look at a rebellious child. They knew the rules from the beginning. 
But because of a lack of a relationship, the outcome was rebellion. It's not the problem people experience in the church that keeps them out of it. There's a bigger issue. We could all sit in this room this morning and agree that God is bigger than anything. That statement is not untrue. But we don't live according to it. People leave the church because they got the wrong look by someone. Because someone said the wrong comment. One of the things that I ask everyone in the Greater Life class when I teach is, has anyone been hurt at a church before? And 90% of the room lifts their hand up. Right? We do it like, like we're going to get to heaven one day and say, God, you know what happened to me? I mean, my story's rough. I mean, that lady said that one thing to me, and I just, I said, forget it, you know? Verse 20, John says, but you're not like that. For the Holy One has given you his spirit, and all of you know the truth. When people leave the church, it's an identity issue. They forget who they are. Because we'll never understand who, God tru- who, who we truly are until we understand who God is or who he is in us. There's an identity issue. If, if the person is in front of you is overpowering your almighty God, there's an identity issue. All right? Verse 21, so I'm writing to you not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. We have it so backwards because really what we do is constantly we glance at our God and stare at our circumstances, right? Where God, hey, you're there. How am I going to? This is crazy. What are we going to do with this problem? So we glance at God. We know he's there, but we stare at our circumstances. And in that process, the circumstance gets bigger, bigger, and bigger, and our God gets smaller and smaller, and smaller, and in that process, we make a decision. Tell the person next to you, lock eyes with them, and say, it's always easier to leave. (laughs) Why is that funny? Was it the locking eyes, or... (laughs) It was the locking eyes, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that's what it was. I should have never said it. I don't have here lock eyes with the person next to you. <laughs> right? It's always easier to leave. Have you noticed that? It's easier to walk away. It's easier to leave. When something is not going the way we understand it to, go, to be, it's easier for us to just walk away. When the church is not giving us what we want, it's easier to leave. It's easier to walk away. Now, I'm not saying walking away is not healthy in some scenarios, right? Like if somebody wants to fight me, I should walk away, right? But in a lot of ways, when we're dealing with spiritual issues and things of the system that we're being called to face, walking away may not be the right solution, right? I'll give you an example. Adultery is biblical grounds for divorce. You know what it's also biblical grounds for? Forgiveness, Isn't it? Or did God just say if adultery is present, you could divorce and forget forgiveness? No. Right? It's a cool concept when you look at it that way. Forgiveness doesn't change the past. 
It doesn't change what took place, the betrayal, but it changes you on the inside. And what is forgiveness? A little bit of something you've already given a lot of by God. Your solutions require, listen, if your problems are so bad that your solutions require, your solutions require someone else. If your solutions require action from someone else, you don't have a solution. You have a complaint. And the road to success and happiness is paved with solutions, not complaints. But you won't understand this because no one who rejects or denies Jesus as Savior can have a personal relationship with God that can help them overcome and understand these differences. It starts with that relationship. You can't be part of this world system and expect to understand how you're supposed to react. You know strength for temptation comes prior, not during it's a process. It's a relationship that has to start somewhere. You can't expect that when you face sin, you're like, all right, God, give me what I need. It's a process that starts prior to, so that when you face it, you know what to do. You know how to react. You know how to overcome. Leaving is not the, the solution. I love you. <laughs> I seriously do. <laughs> and not like The Bachelor, all right? <laughs> so true love doesn't leave. It remains. It remains. And the last, the last point, and it's, it's kind of like this point. It's like a, it's a reinforcement of the previous one. It's, it's true love doesn't fold. And, and it, it, we're reading that verse 24 where it says, so, so you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. And a, a walk with Christ is just that. It's consistent, steady, moving forward towards God's calling, right? And away from the desires of this world and what this world has to offer you. It's a constant reminder of those things that we already know to be true. You know that the word remain is found in these six verses six, uh, four times. Like leaving is a problem. That John has to say, remain, remain, remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. Remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. Remain in fellowship with Christ. Remain in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns... You will be full and courageous, full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. You know, as people of God, we tend to leave and then we turn back to God and we have the audacity to ask God, where did you go? We walk away and we're like, oh, it feels, where did he go? We leave and then we ask him, where did he go? I mean, one of the things we have to understand is that the most difficult journey is going, going back to the place we failed. I understand that we face some difficulties in our past, and, 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 and the things that we've dealt with are difficult, and I'm, I'm not trying to undermine what you've been through personally in your life, okay? Please. But how can we possibly keep on stumbling on things that are behind us? You know, we're, we're supposed to learn from our past, not live in it. If God has done it, he's done it. Yes, it happened yesterday. 
Yes, it was bad. But don't stumble over it. Learn from it. More light. More light. More light. More light. You have a problem with something? Pour light on it. More. More. Just keep pouring light. I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, what is wrong with you? But you pour more light into that. Forget it. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to overcome this. Dave Ramsey said, success is not a gleaming, shiny mountain. It's a pile of mistakes that you're standing on instead of buried under. You know, remaining in God is not simply coming to church. It's a devoted relationship with God that makes a difference in our lives. You know who the worst people in the gym are? The ones that walk around and don't work out. <laughs> they get on my nerves. I'm a, you know, I'm that guy that goes in, I got 25 minutes. I'm like hitting different machines and, you know, maybe I'm doing it wrong. That's why I'm not bulking up. I get it. <laughs> but the worst people in the gym are the ones that walk around. Have you seen them? They talk for like 20 minutes. They just sit there and they'll do a rep. And they just like walk around, talk to the next, hey, man, how you been? And I hate it when they try to talk to me. I got my earbuds up. I got my music turned all the way up. I'm like, huh, huh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I try to, I try to avoid him as much as possible. Sorry if you're one of those guys or girls. No true transformation happens because although they're at the right place where change could take place, a process needs to happen. Attending is not enough. Being, coming to church on Sundays and just sitting there and waiting for everything to get fixed magically is not enough. A process needs to take place. Don't be that annoying person. I love you. <laughs> You're like, man, I don't need this tough love. I'm this close to leaving. <laughs> you know, my dad, I told my dad when I, when I was 18 years old, I'm leaving. My dad, to teach me something, he started charging me $200 a rent a month, okay? Because I was like, I was working, I was making a lot of money. He got me in into the job that he was at. I was getting paid a lot for an 18-year-old that hadn't gone to school and stuff. So my dad said, I'm going to teach this boy something. Now, because he needed it, he just said, you guys are going to pay me each $200 a month. My brother Eddie and I looked at each other and said, this is just not fair. <laughs> right? And at 18 years of age, we found our own place. And what do you think my dad said to me? My dad said to me, if you leave this place, boy, you're not coming back in here. Right? You move out. That's it. And you're like, oh, that's rude. But I, was, I wasn't planning on coming back anyway, so <laughs> take that, Dad. So at 21 years old, Dad, you were right. Things didn't work out. And you know what my dad did? He let me back in. So a little tough love never hurt anybody, right? You know, my grandpa was super cutthroat. I remember being in his pickup truck in Puerto Rico, and there were beggars on the side of the road, right? 
my grandpa would always give him money, but they would have to hear his speech. <laughs> right? So my, I remember, I was a little kid, my grandpa would pull up in his pickup truck, and he's not like us, right? We're like, we roll the window this much, and we're like, get you something to eat, man. You know, yeah, Jesus loves me. He loves you too. I get it. I'm leaving. The light's green, right? My grandpa, park. Quarter. One quarter. Do you know what you need? A job, you know? And he would just, he would just take the guy down. You, you look healthy. What is wrong with you? Out here in this light's begging for money. You need to go out there and get you a job. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. God bless you. And he would just give him this 10-minute speech. Little tough love never hurt anybody, right? People don't just need grace. They need truth. It, it was tough. People, you know, when you define God, in school you get asked to define God, and you're like, really? Is that my final project? Define God, you know? And it comes to, to the idea that he's full of grace and full of truth. That's the definition of God. A lot of us are, are you like the grace Jesus, right? Don't worry. It's okay. There's enough for everybody. Right? And some of you like the truth Jesus. Repent or burn, you know, you're going to hell. What if I tell you it's the same Jesus, though? The same exact Jesus, full of grace and full of truth. It may be what we need, right? Ask yourself this question. Is offering the grace of Jesus or else you go to hell, is that a narrative that is harmful? It's not if it's true. Right? When the alcoholic is sitting in the hospital bed, Dying, and the doctor walks in and says, do you want to die? Is he being too much? <laughs> Not if it's true, right? If you don't stop what you're doing, you will die. Oh, you're like, boys, you're getting too rough. That's too much truth, brother. Where's the grace? Full of grace and full of truth, right? Is it, is it, is it harmful? For us to tell a homosexual person that their life expectancy will be cut off by 10 years, according to statistics, based on their practice? Sorry. Is it harmful that I say that? No, if it's true. I'm not judging anybody. I'm just telling you the truth. Some medicines are good for you and some are not. Some bring healing and some don't. I grew up watching the movie Tombstone. I'm old. Majority of you in the room don't know what that is. I'll, you know, come see me later. My dad will make us watch this thing. I mean, we watched, I watched it. Every Saturday, Tombstone will be on TV, okay? My dad was obsessed with this movie. Doc Holliday starts coughing up blood after a night of poker. And the doctor comes to him and says, your disease is so advanced, you have lost significant amounts of lung tissue. You have to change your life. He didn't like what he said, so Doc Holliday says to him, get out of my sight. Sorry, this is the Puerto Rican version. 
<laughs> yeah, I was watching it in Spanish. They do have translation. <laughs> uh, as he sits there, he thought about the, what the doctor was saying, and he, he looks at his girl, Kate, and he says to her, I think we need to talk about the nature of our relationship. We should really change what we're doing here and how we go about things. So she lights up a cigarette, puts it in his mouth, <laughs> and says to him, I've been good to you. Instead of, you know, caressing, petting him. <laughs> And she says, we're going to be fine. We don't have to change anything. And Doc Holliday says to her, you're a good woman. And then she left. And then he says, well, you may be the Antichrist. <laughs> See, he, he didn't like what the doctor was saying, but he was trying to save his life. He liked what she was saying to him, but she was trying to kill him. And I know this may seem silly to look at it this way, but Jesus isn't trying to be cruel to us. He's, he isn't in some kind of power trip with your life. He died for this. He's challenging you and I to pursue a life of, of purity and companionship with God that should be shown by our devotion to what is right and what is true. This love will never fail you. True love will never fail. 1 Corinthians 13, 8 says, but love will last forever. You know, I, I'm, a half, I'm a half full, half, half glass, half full kind of guy. I got it. Whew. Right? And what I see in this room is that it's a bunch of people who may not be where they want to be, but they're already somewhere where they didn't used to be. You may not be in that destination, but you're no longer where you used to be. So we ought to keep moving forward. The reality of all this is that in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, it says that the way to God is what? The gate is narrow. Truth. It's narrow. Matthew 7, 13, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. It's gates wide for the many to choose that way. This is not just me up here being judgmental. This is not Jesus on a power trip. This is God telling you this way is narrow. It's not going to be easy. I am challenging you. To be in a relationship with me that changes your life and it changes the lives of the people around you. Going against a world system that is constantly fighting against this faith. But it's what we're called to do. This may be tough. Maybe tough love. But it's what we need to hear. The way is narrow. And that's true. But we have a loving God by our side. Helping us get through it. You want to know how to get over your things? Pour more light into it. Pour more light into it. You're not where you want to be, but you're not where you used to be. And that's a start. Bow your heads and pray with me.
Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we are unworthy to be in this position with you. You call us to this moment, and we are so thankful of the many blessings that you have poured on our lives. I know, Lord, that this, this may be tough, and to kind of understand all the things that you're saying to us, I hope that what you have spoken to our lives personally would, would be something that we would put in, into practice. We pray for your help because we need you now more than ever. The noise around us is loud, Lord, and we need more of you. We need more light, more of your presence. Interrupt our lives now, Jesus, so that we can become the best version of ourselves according to what you want. God, we love you. And we know that the love that you have for us is a true love, one that may be tough, but is one that will last forever, Lord, and we declare that over our lives today, believing, Lord, that what was done yesterday is something to learn from, and today we move forward into a bright future that you're calling us to. Thank you so much, God, for the hope and the mercy and the grace and the truth that you share with us. We believe in you, Lord, and we thank you for being with us here today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.